0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our second ESICM NEXT Talk for 2021. My name is Laura Galarza. I'm an Intensivist at the University General Hospital in Castellón, Spain, and the Deputy Chair of the ESICM NEXT Committee. Joining me today is Professor Xavier Monet. Xavier Monet is Professor of Intensive Care at the Paris South University, and he's working at the Medical Intensive Care Unit of the Research Hospital. Professor Monet's main fields of research are acute circulatory failure and its treatment, hemodynamic monitoring, and heart and lung interaction. He is also the chair of the cardiovascular dynamics section of the European Society of Intensive Care Medicine. Xavier, welcome to this podcast. Thank you. Today, we will be talking about hemodynamic monitoring focusing on ultrasound. Ultrasound has become an indispensable tool while caring for critically ill patients. Increasing availability at bedside and the role that it plays in diagnosis and management of patients have made the clinicians incorporate ultrasound as a part of their bedside clinical examination. Some colleagues argue that it can be a good hemodynamic tool too. However, others disagree. In your opinion, Xavier, what is the play of echocardiography in the management of patients with shock?
1: First, thank you very much, Laura, for the invitation. The place of echocardiography is really crucial in our patients with shock. I mean that echo is really a unique tool for evaluating the cardiac function and the cardiac structure. And in particular, it should be performed in all the patients with shock within the first hour. I think it's really crucial because just because you will not manage the patient in the same way, if you know that the ejection fraction is 30 or if it's normal. So this is why I really think that every intensivist should learn echocardiography, which is not very difficult just for assessing the global left ventricular contraction. But again, it is today a crucial examination that must be performed early in all the patients. I insist on that message.
0: Sure, I completely agree with you. So do you think that we can consider ultrasound as an hemodynamic monitor, or we are not there yet?
1: Yes and no. Um, Echocardiography provides many very useful hemodynamic variables. In addition, it measures stroke volume, and so cardiac but in real time, which is not the case for all the monitoring tools we have in the uh, intensive care or in the operating room. And it's very helpful for assessing the rapid effects of, uh, of treatments, of fluids, for performing the tests of fluid responsiveness, such as passive leg raising, etc. So very important, uh, um, and pieces of information regarding hemodynamics. Nevertheless, in my eyes, it is not a monitoring tool. I mean that it does not allow an easy and continuous assessment of hemodynamics. I mean that in a patient with shock, how many echocardiographies do you perform in one day? Perhaps one or two, not more. And so this is why in my practice, I use echocardiography in all the patients, as I said before, but in addition to echocardiography, I use some other hemodynamic tools like the PA catheter, like the PICO or EV1000 devices that allow me to have an easy and uh, more continuous hemodynamic monitoring. So it is very useful but it is not really a continuous hemodynamic monitor.
0: So, will you say that in your practice it's always echo plus something else, right? That's yes, what you exactly. did.
1: Exactly, and this is really what I, what I, what I believe. And again, um, of course it is not the easiest um, monitoring tool we have, because you must learn echo, which is more difficult to learn than PA catheter. But I think that for assessing the hemodynamics in our shock patients, we do not need to know a lot about echocardiography. Just assessing the left ventricular function, just looking for some valvular regurgitations, massive valvular regurgitations is very easy, and this should be done by every intensivist uh, today.
0: And what advantages and disadvantages had Ultrasound compared to other hemodynamic monitorings?
1: It has many advantages. Um, as I said before, it is the unique tool, evaluates the only tool that evaluates the cardiac structure. I mean, the, the, the left ventricular dimensions, which is very important to know whether the patient has chronic or acute uh, cardiac uh, failure, for assessing the valves, etc. It's the gold standard for gold standard for evaluating the left ventricular contractility. It is absolutely um, helpful for diagnosing the cardiac emergencies, aortic dissection, tamponade, etc. Again, it is a tool that measures cardiac output and stroke volume in real time. It provides an estimation of the cardiac preload. By assessing the the, uh, mitral flow and mitral annulus motion. And it is the only tool that directly assesses the right ventricle. So many advantages. The drawbacks, as I said, is that first, it's not really a continuous monitoring tool. Also, it is not very precise. I mean, that the, and and people often uh, uh, miss that. Uh, the smallest change in stroke volume, in velocity time integral that you may trust with echocardiography, the, the smallest change is 10, 12%. So it is not very precise. By the way, it's the same for thermodilution, transpolmonary thermodilution with a PA catheter or with a bigger device. There are some more precise tools, like, for instance, um a pulse contour analysis, bioreactants, et cetera. So it's not very precise, and this might be a, a drawback. And also there are some uh, variables that are not provided directly by echocardiography. It does not measure the filling pressures, especially of the left ventricle. We have an estimation, but it's not the true left ventricular uh, diastolic pressure. It does not measure the volume of lung water, which is provided by transpulmonary thermolution. But again, I really think that the the, uh, advantages are much more important than the drawbacks.
0: And what do you think of transthoracic or transesophageal echo in critical care settings?
1: Very good question, because many um, young colleagues think that uh, they must know transesophageal echocardiography. Uh, transesophageal echocardiography is perhaps more difficult to learn. I think that, in fact, we can use transthoracic echocardiography in the large majority of our ICU patients. And transesophageal echocardiography is mandatory in case of poor echogenicity, but again, it represents a minority of the patients. And of course, it is absolutely mandatory for looking for um, endocardial carditis, for trombia of the left uh, uh, appendage, for the aortic dissection, for instance. So, yes, uh, we should learn transesophageal echocardiography, even though transthoracic echo can be performed in the large majority of the cases where we need echo.
0: And uh, what do you think of other ultrasound modalities, like lung ultrasound? Is there a place for them evaluating the shock septic patient?
1: Lung ultrasound is really something that is uh, very important in the assessment, in the ultrasound assessment of the critical ill patients. And it's gained a lot of popularity. It's been, as you know, described by Daniel Liechtenstein years ago. And today we have many, many studies and textbooks about lung ultrasound. It is very good for detecting many um, lung uh, problems, pneumothorax, um, for assessing, for detecting the lung edema. It is very, very um, sensitive for these very important diagnoses. The drawback is that it is not able to quantify the volume of edema, or at least not easily. In a study we showed that, for instance, for detecting the weaning induced pulmonary edema. You can quantify the edema by counting the number of uh, B lines, but of course, it's not very, very easy to perform.
0: So one last question. Uh, What do you think is the future in hemodynamic monitoring?
1: You mean in echocardiography or in general in hemodynamic monitoring?
0: In everything. Yeah. yeah.
1: Everything. I think that um, regarding hemodynamic monitoring, there will be, there should be two directions in the future. First, we should have some devices that are easier to use. I mean, likely devices without any uh, wires, with uh, very uh, smart systems for transmission of the data from the device from the patient to the device, et cetera. Not all these wires, for instance. Also, we will be likely helped in the interpretation of the data. And perhaps by the way, that uh, artificial intelligence will be used for developing some algorithms in interpreting all the data. It is it will be the case for hemodynamic monitoring as from many, many uh, data we have in medicine, of course. Mm-hmm. And so um, some uh, difficult interpretations will be solved by likely these new devices. Perhaps we will have some new variables, but I think that, um, uh, again, the most important developments and likely in the very next years will be about the, the again, the, the type of monitoring and the interpretation of the data.
0: Thank you very much, Xavier, for being here today. It was a pleasure talking to you, as always. And Thank you our, very
1: much to the next team for their invitation. It's very yeah. good. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And to our audience, we hope you had enjoyed it. And remember to follow our monthly podcast on various topics related to intensive care medicine. Thank you very much.